This is Talking Business. Joined now by Thomas King, who's the founder and CEO of Food Frontier. Good day, Thomas. Thanks, Thanks for, for joining me, Alan. Now, um, t- tell us what Food Frontier is. We are Australia and New Zealand's independent think tank and industry accelerator for alternative proteins. And you started it. I did. Why did you start it? What did you have in mind? So I've got a non-profit background. I started fairly young, learning about the issues in our world and was trying to do my part to address them. Um, Went on a journey of working with a variety of organisations in environmental and poverty alleviation causes. Was fortunate to travel to five continents in that time for projects and I realised that our food system was central to essentially everything I was trying to solve, uh, in particular a food system that relies heavily on industrial animal agriculture to meet the world's demand for meat and milk. And so knowing that we're heading into a world where we'll have 10 billion mouths to feed within 30 years in the face of you know climate change and dwindling natural resources, how do we go about that? Uh, and there's a plethora of global research from UNFAO to Chatham House, Eat Eat Lancet Commission, indicating that we need to be eating less meat where we do produce it, be producing it in better ways. But that begs the question, you know, what are we going to eat instead? And in these cultures like Australia, where we've grown up eating the stuff, um, I think we need alternatives to fill people's plates. And so I became excited learning about what companies are doing in that space. So so you call it a think tank, but is it is it really, is it fair to say that it's really, you're really a promoter of this stuff? Well, we're a not-for-profit. Um, the intention was to help. So I spent some time with some of the US companies leading the way in this space. Um, and, and it's important to make the distinction. There are some companies creating sausages and burgers and dumplings from plants. There are some using cell technologies to cultivate real meat from cells. Um, Here we're talking about plant-based. But I spent time with some of these companies in the States, learn about what they were creating, met some of their chefs and their food scientists, learn about investment. You know, Bill Gates, Richard Branson, the biggest meat corporations in the world, all getting behind this space returned to Australia feeling hugely buzzed and excited by the potential, only to realise that essentially nothing was happening here. And this was just a few years ago. And so I thought, well, how can I play a role in helping business and government and um, academia embrace the opportunities that Alternative Proteins presents, considering Australia is a leader in food, agriculture, um, we have the intellectual capital, we have the infrastructure, and I want to see us leading the way. And so we support groups across that entire value chain um, to understand this space and how they can engage from you know, startups and investors through to meat manufacturers and retailers. Right. So you're a not-for-profit, um, but you must be living on something. So you, so you presumably have a revenue. Yes. So we're philanthropically funded, which is why I refer to us oh, as so you're independent. you're not charging for your advice. That's right which means we can focus on whatever is highest impact towards our mission of a philanthropically funded. Who's, who's funding you? A uh, variety of different groups. Um, so from family foundations that care about sustainability here in Australia through to individual donors. Um, we've got a couple of corporate uh, foundations and, and there's you know, a variety of motivations. Um, but there's a realisation that we can't continue to farm and eat the same way we are if we're to face the challenges uh, into coming decades. So, yeah, it, we, um, we we want to see Australia lead in this space and we see enormous potential. And this is the reason we produced um, our recent report, which is quantifying the size of that opportunity in the Australian context. So, so give us a quick rundown of the technology that's going on, because I take it that there's a few ways that... Um 
what you might call plant-based meat is being developed. Yeah, so the, so the recognition is people eat meat not because of how it's made. They eat it because of the end product and it's tasty, it's convenient, it holds cultural significance. And so these groups of entrepreneurs and scientists and chefs are saying, how can we replicate that same experience people love in a sausage or burger or a meatball with fewer environmental and health consequences? And so... They're using usually a, a you know, plant protein base, usually legumes or pulses, um, plant fat. Um, they might use other ingredients to give it that taste and texture and uh, appearance. So it could be beetroot juice to give it that pink color that we're used to in a burger. Um, it could be mushroom to give it that sort of uh, tenderness. And they're creating these products that um, give people that same functionality and experience, um, same uh, nutrition a lot of the time, uh, but with fewer resources required. So these are kind of what you talk, what you talk about there are kind of high end vegetable patties. If yeah, I this is the next generation way. of options. So we're all familiar with the, um, the falafels of, of, oh, yeah, you know, that have been fl- around for a long time or even the soy sausages of the 1990s that maybe and the fell, fell apart as you cooked them and didn't taste yeah. too great. But no, this is, this is really building upon that space to say how can we um, really replicate that, that experience. And so um, we've seen a number of companies in Australia starting up in this space, which is exciting to see, along with you know, long-standing food and meat manufacturers saying we want to do diversify because we understand that consumers are demanding new options. Um, You you also mentioned, and I've read about, um, what you call cell-based technology, and I take it that's a more sophisticated Mm -hmm. approach to this as opposed to simply creating a kind of high-end vegetable patty. So can you take us through what's going on in that that area? Yeah, so the idea is at the moment to produce you know, conventional meat, animal flesh. Um, you feed a bunch of resources into an animal. Um, it absorbs that into its flesh. It, it The cells divide and it grows. And at the other end, you get some level of pollution um, and you've got a you know, disease-prone animal in the middle of that equation. So what these, group, great. <laughs> what these groups are doing, it's a great business proposition, isn't it? Um, is saying, well, what if we went directly to those cells and fed them nutrients rather than filtering that through an animal. You mean create the meat, in a, create actual meat? Because I, I have read that that's being done. Yes. And so it, it is possible, is it, to create actual meat from plant cells? Uh, this is from animal cells. So you start with a sesame seed size sample um, from an animal, and oh, from see. that you can produce meat. So it's basically replicating that same environment of how meat would grow inside an animal without having to raise and harvest, you know, billions of, <laughs> of, in, of individual animals. And so therefore, it requires far less resources in terms of land and water, less greenhouse gas emissions, um, and also has benefits from a food safety standpoint, because you've not got that intestinal bacteria that's typically um, can contaminate meat, E. coli, Campylobacter, Salmonella. And so there are some you know, various benefits across the board. We've got two uh, cell-based meat companies in Australia now, but the markets that are leading the way are America and Israel and parts of Europe. Are those are those the companies in America that we may have heard about called Impossible Impossible so Meat? So in the plant-based world, food, yes, there's Beyond Meat, there's Impossible Foods, they're the two biggest. Um, in the world of cellular agriculture, it's companies like Memphis Meats. Right. And um, has that technology now reached maturity, as you might say? Is it clear that it is possible to, to do that in the, in the laboratory? 
There are companies that have produced uh, examples of, of, of what can be done, so pork sausages, um, fish croquettes, uh, beef burgers. Um, so it certainly can be done. It's about scaling up that process. Yes, so I was going to challenge. ask, is that scalable? Do we know yet whether it's scalable? Well, according to these companies, yes, but they're still working to um, overcome that hurdle, and it'll be years and years before they're able to produce these sorts of products at any considerable level. Right. Have you tasted... Uh, that stuff? I have. I have. Yes. And? And it's it's meat. <laughs> it's it is. the real deal. It's the real deal. Yeah. Huh. So it is possible that in 10 years' time or some time in the future, we will have factories that produce actual meat without animals. Yeah, it'll, it'll look like a brewery, essentially, tall steel tanks, cultivators, um, where that's produced. But Plant-based meat—that's the immediate opportunity for Australia. You know, this economic but it's not, model. That's not meat, though, right? I mean, th- there's a difference. No, what you're not. talking about the cell-based process—that is actual meat, right? That's right. Whereas the other stuff you're talking about, the plant-based stuff, is made from plants. Yeah. Yeah. But it's still that familiar format people are used to, mince sausages, dumplings, you know. And so as more and more consumers seek to reduce their meat consumption, whether that's for their heart health or the climate or animal welfare or, or what have you, um, these options provide people with that familiarity and that convenience and that nutrition, but whilst addressing their concerns. So the modelling that we've just done with Deloitte Access Economics shows the market in Australia for plant-based meat products is $150 million in consumer expenditure today, but could easily be... Uh, around $3 billion in consumer expenditure by 2030. Well, I presume it's $150 million because not many people know about it or think about, right. think about it. I mean... So about one in three Australians, according to our additional research with Colmar Brunton, uh, have tried plant-based meat products, which means two in three haven't, which presents a significant opportunity. Um, there are also opportunities across that entire supply chain. So that moderate growth scenario of $3 billion by 2030 would result in 6,000 full-time equivalent jobs. And that includes jobs in agriculture. So we have tens of thousands of farmers in Australia producing um, crops and vegetables and fruits and nuts, some of which could be redirected into a supply chain such as this, particularly protein-rich crops like legumes, which means instead of going going to the global commodity market where it doesn't necessarily command a premium, farmers could be making more profit by directing it into a market like plant-based meat. Um. But what does it mean for meat farmers? Obviously, there's a huge industry in Australia of growing beef and lamb and pork and everything. Yeah. Uh, what does it mean for them? So we're going to have up to 70% increase in food demand within 30 years to meet the global challenges facing us. And that means this, the size of the pie is growing and we need to add new options into that mix in order to feed everybody. So that presents an opportunity for Australia to diversify um, into industries like plant-based meat, which can be complementary to traditional meat production. There are tens of thousands of Aussie farmers producing uh, crops and horticultural products, some of which could be redirected into a supply chain such as this, particularly those protein-rich crops like legumes. Uh, so instead of you know sending those out to the global commodity market where they don't necessarily command a premium, farmers could redirect some of that produce into the plant-based meat market and potentially make greater profit. Right. So, uh, and does that plant-based meat actually taste anything like meat? It's worth acknowledging that there are a spectrum of options available on the Australian retail market from some of the more traditional alternatives that people might be familiar with from the last couple of decades um, through to some of the new generation products, which are really uh, trying to replicate meat at that sensory level. And there've been focus groups done where, where people are not 
they don't realise until the end when they're told that they've actually been eating, you know, plant-based beef patties. Um, oh, and they didn't know it was beef. It wasn't right, beef. Right. They'll be brought in to That's test kind of what I'm wondering is. buns, for example, and at the end they go, oh, what do you think of the patties? Oh, yeah, fantastic. No, no complaints. Did you right. realise it was plant-based? What? <laughs> so... I think it's interesting the difference between when when someone's aware of what they're about to eat being an alternative, they might have preconceived ideas based on prior experience of it being inferior in terms of taste and experience, as opposed to being told, you know, after the fact. But the the quality of these products will continue to improve over time. Interesting. I have to leave it there, Thomas. It's been great talking to you. Thanks. Likewise. Thanks. I'll be talking to Thomas King, who's the founder and CEO of Food Frontier.